0: now from the sunbury motors studio here's steve jones sunbury motors 4th street in sunbury sunbury motors keywords 11 and 15 and hummels Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com ford lincoln kia hyundai great new inventory Free inventory may be up your alley right now well you want to go to a place that has the best selection they have that with the sunbury motors guarantee fabulous sales department great service department all at sunbury motors 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots, 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, One quick note, uh, Carson Wentz is a Colt. All right, so let's uh, now we're started. Correct. I I just want to just, you know, throw that in there for you. The first four teams left out of the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments will have the option to be designated as replacement teams should a team be unable to participate due to COVID 19. The NCAA released its team replacement policies for both tournaments. The men will begin on March 18th in Indiana. The women will begin March 21st with their entire tournament taking place in San Antonio. Once the brackets are released, teams will not be reseeded. Any replacement team that will be placed in the bracket position left vacant by the withdrawing team will go into that spot specifically. For any single bid conference, a.k.a. the Patriot, the league can replace its automatic qualifier with a pre-approved replacement team should the league's qualifier be unable to participate. But they would have to undergo seven consecutive days of negative testing to do it. If a team from a multi-bid conference withdraws, the first team not selected as an at-large team will be the one that replaces them. The first four out, the four replacement teams will remain on their campuses and practicing and continue COVID-19 testing until they are needed to travel to the tournament site. The deadline for replacing teams will be March 16th, for the men two days before the start of the tournament March 19th for the women so that is what they're going to do I mean the one bid league could could end up being a big loser here I mean should their automatic qualifier be unable to compete they have to hope that a replacement team would meet seven straight days of negative testing that's a big ask for smaller conferences because they may not be doing daily testing and their postseasons end early. Your team's eliminated. You're probably like, "Okay, we're done." You might not be testing.
1: Yeah, you're asking a lot. Not only more from the smaller conferences. You're right, but then you're of course you're asking a lot for the first four out. This is just.
0: Well, the first four out you keep practicing. I mean, and you know you're the first four out because right. you've been told. You've been told. But if it's a one big conference like the Patriots. So let's just say Navy wins it. And Colgate finishes second. All right? Let's just go with that scenario. That tournament ends when?
1: March what? March 14th is the championship.
0: Well, it's actually pretty late. All right. So that's that's okay. So you you actually would be testing
1: Right, yes, yeah, so the Patriot doesn't... League would be in good shape, but I think yeah, like they're, the they're Ohio Valley, Big South, they're, they're all like, beginning in they... next week.
0: Yeah, and they'll end it. They'll end next week. Right. So you're going to have a team that lost the second place team sitting there for days. What are you going to keep testing with the idea Murray State may not make it?
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: Well, no, that's why I think the first four out are going to be the, the four teams, no matter who it is, getting in. Definitely. So. All right. Uh, Io by the way, uh broken nose. Broke it against uh, Michigan State the other night. He's expected to miss a couple of games. Available for the postseason? Yeah, I think that's... Exactly right. So, yeah, so that's the uh, big, uh, those two big basketball stories. Um, Check this out. Carson Wentz is a Colt. How did we miss that? I don't know. Well, I figure you would have spoken up about
1: it. I thought he looked different. Yeah, what, happier?
0: (laughs) Probably. joyful (laughs) we're going to have uh, Brett McCormick on today from Sports Business Journal yes we're going to talk money again Uh we're going to talk about college athletic money I mean it's not as much fun as talking about who's going to win tonight's game whatever game that may be when's the next uh, Shikolomi game
1: that would be tomorrow. Tomorrow night.
0: Oh, I thought we were going to carry the Purdue game. Okay,
1: but we are Why, not. We are not broadcasting that tomorrow night.
0: What? Chickalemi or Purdue?
1: Chick-Lemmy. So we're sticking with the Purdue game. Does the suit know? Yes. Yeah. He made the call. So he's going to be.
0: He's going to be talking to an empty room. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they got a couple of rescheduled non-conference games that we couldn't make it to. for These next two games, so we won't. So um, our next broadcast is uh, it's either next Monday or Tuesday against Central Mountain, which could be a big one to determine the number one seed in 5A. All right.
0: So what are the standings right now? I mean, could it determine the number one seed in 5A is because of Central Mountain.
1: Or? Yeah, well, Schickelamy's first right now, uh, albeit wow. at five and ten. But that's how bad five A's been this year. <laughs> so yeah, five A's kind of like the NFC East. What's their record? Uh, five and ten, I believe.
0: And they're the number one seed.
1: Yeah, again, that's this is five. This is the way five A's been this year. It's like the NFC East.
0: Between football and basketball, they need to start changing some classifications here. Uh, To me, let's start with this. Um, Now, this is outside looking in. But I've I've brought this up before. I'll bring it up again. Why not? Stick with six classifications. But hear me out as to how the six would work. You go back to A, double, triple, and quad A. That's it, based on the size of the school. You then put charter and parochial schools into two other classifications, small and large. And that's that to me, and that's how you end up with six champions. I think it's fair for everybody all the way around. So you take the public schools, put them in A, double, triple, quad, just like the old system. You take charter schools and parochial schools, and you put them in two small and large. Now I'm a simple person. But to me, I think that's the simplest way to solve this thing. So if they're 5-10 and ten and 1st and 5A, who's 2nd? And what's their record?
1: Uh, Central Mountain is 2nd. I don't know it off the top of my head.
0: But they don't have 5 wins.
1: I don't believe so, no. I'll have to get this from the suit himself. But Central Mountain's in there. Um, Belfond, who's barely... Played a whole lot of games this year. They're right. they're down below right. and last. Um, right. So that's part of the reason. It's either COVID's knocked them out a little bit, or that teams just haven't um, had good seasons.
0: Huh. Well, this year is a different. It's an odd year. So I'm, I mean, that, I'm not going to complain about anything going with this. But I'm saying moving forward, that's something I would think about doing. We'll take a break at Brett McCormick next half hour and talk with him about college sports budgets. He's from Sports Business Journal as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Little Billy Joe on this Thursday afternoon. Great to have you with us on the show today. Ever since the Carson Wentz trade, you have been a little bit calmer, right? But, you know, but I do know I have the ability to to push the right button at the the right time. Howie Roseman. All right. There you go. (laughs) There's your guy.
1: Just want to make sure you're all right. I'm good.
0: Yeah. Well, the so we gave you the NCAA tournament uh, scenario. That's going to be big, and that's going to be something I bring up with uh, Brett McCormick in the next half hour. Because one of the key stories is that after last year, where with the insurance policy, they split up and doled out $225 million, the full amount of $613 million Will be doled out by the NCAA men's tournament today. And that, um, and that, that at least is on the financial path. Okay, back in the financial path. The intercollegiate athletics needs another key is going to be uh, getting people back in the stadiums. But then, for the Big Ten, the new TV contract, which is the first one up among um, college uh, TV contracts, will be critical. Now, I'll tell you who's in a the spot. There are two groups that are in a spot. One is. The ACC. The other one happens to be uh, the PAC 12. The ACC's contract goes into the early 2030s. They can't get any more money out of this. And see, the Big Ten is sitting there with this shorter term contract of six years that runs out here uh, shortly with Fox, ESPN, CBS, and BTN. The BTN contract goes to 2032, I think, or something like that. So that's all set. But they have the ability in this next contract to get more money out of their TV partners to then give their athletic departments a better chance of being able to get back on a solid financial footing quicker. Not immediate, but at least quicker and they can start putting that money into their budgets to take care of it. The ACC, for example, doesn't have that. Their TV contracts run into the 2030s, early 2030s. They had like 10 more years to go in the thing, which at the time when they signed it, it's like, hey, we have long, long-term stability. This is great. Except now you're looking around, and when you actually need an influx of cash, you're not going to get it. Pro sports can get the influx of cash by, believe it or not, quick cash expansion. Now, the NFL is not going to do it, and they don't need to do it. And the NHL is now probably done with their current expansion because Seattle's coming in, and they'll get, you know, they're will get. they obviously getting money from that after getting money from Vegas. That gets them to 32. But the NBA and Major League Baseball each have the opportunity to get at least what I call quick cash from expansion fees. And I think you'll see within the next four years, both Major League Baseball and the NBA expanding from 30 to 32 teams, which would then give Major League Baseball the opportunity, for example, to divide into four divisions in the American League and four divisions in the National League. And you can do that and have four and have eight four team divisions because I know how excited the Phillies are to play the Mets all the time and the Nationals who would be in that division Phillies, Mets, Nationals I mean, do you want to put I mean, I I I would start changing some things up I'd put Pittsburgh in there with them Mets, Phillies, Pittsburgh, Washington what do you think
1: I like it, geographically it makes a lot of sense
0: Sure it does. You get a little rivalry. I mean, the Phillies can get 18 wins a year against the Pirates. It would be great.
1: <laughs> I would like to see the Phillies and Pirates juice up the rivalry a little more, too. Well, but the,
2: the Pirates have to get good.
1: Well, that, well yeah, that's also that's part of the
2: it.
0: That's the issue, okay? I, that's what I always love about rivalries. I hear the word rivalry. West Virginia, we have a great rivalry with Penn State. Just because you play somebody every year doesn't mean you have a rivalry. I mean, West Virginia went from 1955 to 1984 and didn't beat Penn State once. They had one tie. That's a rivalry? Hey, Syracuse for years. What, 1970 to 1987? No wins. That's a rivalry? It may be a rivalry to you because you're trying to climb the mountain. To the other team, it's just another game on the schedule.
1: Or now we're trying to create rivalries the last few years in college football as if just pow, it's gonna become a rivalry like that
0: like who would that be
1: like like when you sign when you sign these deals like I don't know, that's been done in the a c c y like Notre Dame was trying to do it with Virginia Tech for, to start this thing, and then when Penn State kind of started with Pitt a couple of years ago, and that was like a three year thing.
0: Yeah, but yeah, you like... know what? But but you know, Dave. You know why Dave did that? Dave did that because he didn't know what the future of Penn State football was going to look like. I mean, that was done during the sanctions time. That's why the Penn State Pitt thing was signed. Dave Joyner was trying to get an old rival back on the schedule to get some juice in the stands because he, he had no idea how it was going to turn out. That was why it was done.
1: Well, that makes sense. Right. But there's been other SEC and ACC schools like, let's just play each other for a couple of years and create this rivalry. Like, no, that's not how you create rivalries. I mean, Stuff usually has it, to happen to okay, create in something. 15, in
0: the last 15 years, in reality, what kind of rivalries? Ohio State-Michigan?
1: Also true. See,
0: one team has to win sometimes. Your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Q, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Outstanding selection of pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Uh, Matt was telling me that uh, by the end of next week, it looks like we're going to have Fran for show on the show.
1: Hopefully, yes. We're working things out with them now.
0: There is nothing like for me personally there's certain people you just like to talk to I don't care if it's a shoot around or you're just quote shooting the you know what in the lobby of a hotel Then Fran Fischel I think the last time I actually talked to Fran was uh, at, at that Brooklyn tournament I did at Thanksgiving a year ago so I'm anxious to talk with him I mean, when I mean like we talked, I mean, I'm talking we were in the lobby for an hour talking about it. We solved almost everything. Now, nobody took any of what we said under advisement, but we thought we solved everything. Of course. <laughs> and then, of course, you get Girardi in there. Oh, well, now, <laughs> okay, everything is solved. That's <laughs> so right. I, walk out, I walk out of there confident we've got everything covered. And then we find out later other people are in charge and don't feel the same way we do about it. (laughs) Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Great to have you with us on the show today. So let's talk money. All right. Uh, This is something where, uh, you know, you want to know why I put the money thing on as often as I do. Because it's really, really important and it affects what you see, how you view things, so forth, and the suit hates him, so (laughs) they're talking money again, they're taking away the fantasy of it, (laughs) so Brett McCormick joins us from Sports Business Journal, Brett, great to have you with us, welcome.
2: Yes, thanks for having me guys, this is uh, a lot of uh, staring at spreadsheets, so I'm I'm glad that somebody pays attention, <laughs> so what
0: are those spreadsheets telling you right now Brett? Uh,
2: carnage uh it's not it's not good um, I had a quote in the story that uh from a college athletics consultant that basically every school in f b s would was going to take a loss uh and and really it, the results is just how bad of a loss and and how much of it could be mitigated. you know some schools had savings but uh I mean it's it's uh it's not good, it's not pretty reading.
0: All right. Uh now certain places have decided to um take you know, interesting routes along the way. For example, Stanford has, is going to drop, I believe, eleven sports along the way. They aren't the first ones to say that. Oh have you been able to get a read as to how some people are reacting to this?
2: To dropping sports? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh one so one uh one source I talked to for this story that I I didn't end up using in the story because they were off the record or you know on background but um it was a former athletic director and and uh she had uh some interesting um thoughts on that that didn't actually even make a story but one of them was that you know probably athletic departments are trying to do too much in some cases and Stanford might be an example of that uh with you know 40 something sports I mean that's 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 undertaking a lot, and then on the other other end of that, you know, like I mentioned in the story, that East Carolina cut some sports, Clemson cut some sports, uh, Iowa cut some sports, and two of those three have already been met with uh, Title IX lawsuits. So yes, you know, there's kind of there's kind of it's uh, kind of like two schools of thought on this. You know, in some cases it makes sense because the schools are maybe you know really overly ambitious on what they're trying to accomplish, and then in other cases it, it really does very little to solve the financial issues that these schools are facing right now, and if anything, it only really gets them into further trouble. Uh, of those two schools that are facing lawsuits, uh, ECU and Iowa have reinstated teams because you know the judges indicated basically that they would lose the cases, so they just brought the teams back.
0: Yeah, and I know at Iowa it was done in such a way where the athletic director watched it, walked in, said I'm sorry, and then left, and now it turns out that they're that uh, they're back, uh, which which is interesting. Ohio State has put out a new ticketing policy for football. Uh, and it, it's similar to what other people have done, but the more money you donate, the better seats that you're going to get. But they've also increased the prices of tickets. Now, student tickets are going to stay the same at $34 per game. Uh, can you see this happening across the board where people are pricing You know, increasing prices, but how delicate a balance is it between doing that but pricing yourself out?
2: Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, one thing that's going to be critical this year, especially, but I would say moving forward in the coming years is is revenue generation. Uh, You're going to see a lot of athletic directors hired that that's like really a specialty of theirs, uh, particularly like fundraising. Uh, But there's other ways to raise money, and some of it is, you know, incremental ticket increases. Um, You know, because the college sports fan is is uh, you know uh, I I would get I would venture to say more willing to take it on the chin than most uh, most sports fans you know especially like pro sports Um, they generally have a stronger commitment um, and connection to their school and so you know incremental increases I think are definitely going to be there also you know, for the schools in the group of five, not the non power five schools. Right. Uh, I think you'll see other kinds of increases like uh student fee maybe going up. You know, there's a lot of these uh athletic programs in like the Sun Belt Conference, the Mid American um uh conference USA, you know, that a lot of their program is subsidized by student fees and money from the school. So I think you'll see Uh, increases in those because i mean you know if you have a school of like thirty thousand students i mean you know you can you can make a lot of money uh, for an athletic program off of student fees whether the students really notice it or not
0: last year with the insurance policy the ncaa ended up paying out about in the neighborhood of 225 million to uh, their partner schools along the way this year, they expect that to pay out the full six thirteen if they play the tournament all the way through, which Brett, you and I both know is a distinct possibility that they will. What does that mean on the road to health for many of these schools to get at least a full cut of the NCAA men's basketball tournament?
2: Yeah, I mean it's a, it's it's huge. It's it's especially huge for uh, you know smaller smaller conferences that you know the million or so bucks that you get from the NCAA is is uh, you know can be. Uh, like 10 percent or or less of your budget, you know. I, I mean, for an Ohio State or Penn State, it's not going to be quite as critical. But uh, you know, as um, the University of Texas San Antonio AD uh, Lisa Campos told me, she's like everybody has budgeted for the NCAA tournament to happen. So, uh, you know, they they really I don't think want that uh, last hiccup in this financial, you know, in this fiscal year, which runs from usually from July 1st to june 30th i think that would be a really crucial blow like at the end of the year because mm-hmm. after the NCAA tournament that's when a, that's when the uh tv payouts are are pretty much sorted out for conferences so um that would be uh you know a last gut punch of the year um if, if the something didn't happen with the full right what, was 67 games i think yeah
0: yeah 67 games all right. So now let's go to the next part. Uh, we've, you know, obviously we've found out in professional sports what the percentage of what a crowd means. For example, we know the NHL is much greater than anybody else. Baseball's about forty percent. The NBA is about, believe it or not, forty percent. Uh, in college sports, for Power Five schools versus Group of Five schools. What does that that attendance number mean to the health of the athletic department at a power five school percentage wise what does that mean percentage wise to a power five school
2: uh, it's it's hard to say percentage wise because what is easier about pro sports is the comparisons are much more apple to apple yeah uh, college what's interesting about it is how different everything is uh so I would say for like a good example is Michigan um you know a school that uh I think let's see in twenty twenty uh budgeted something like, you know, fifty seven million dollars from ticket sales. Right. I, you think about hundred eleven thousand fans for seven home football games and then, you know, probably very good basketball attendance. Um you know, there—that's 57 million of uh, like 160, 190, somewhere in there million revenue. Right. So, I mean, that's you know, that's a pretty huge percentage. And then about 50 million in TV money. Uh, that's, I mean, that's a big chunk of their revenue. Uh, another school I wrote about in this story—you look at like Georgia State. Uh, TV and attendance um, are not going to be nearly as big percentages, like, either of them. Right. Um I think their their t v money was around like something like two and a half million or something like that mm-hmm. out of uh about twenty five million dollar budget uh for them I mean uh school support and the student fees is the is the biggest thing so as long as enrollment is, is not majorly impacted uh you know schools like that are gonna be okay i now I mean it's not easy for them to just lock two million bucks off the budget, but you know it doesn't quite have the same effect as when you take a third of your budget <laughs> yeah. uh because. Think about the fact that Michigan in 2019 had had those seven home games with, you know, 111,000 something Mm -hmm. fans. Uh, So about 800,000 tickets that they sold for football. And in 2020, they had three home games, which saw a total of 1,200 people attend. Uh, all of who were friends and family of players and didn't pay for tickets. Right. So <laughs> pretty pretty significant uh, drop in ticket revenue for uh yeah. the Wolverines. Well believe me, as well, I'm sure.
0: Believe me, Brett, I broadcast the Penn State Michigan game in that stadium that day. I looked around and saw one hundred and eleven thousand empty seats. Yeah. Um, although Michigan didn't play well that day, so some of the cardboard cutouts actually got up and left. I mean I, was, I, I thought that was kind of odd. Uh, but, all right, so moving forward, uh, how critical is fiscal year 21,22 and what does it th- then how critical will be 2223 to see if they can get everything back on a positive path?
2: Yeah, this fall will be really interesting because I'm seeing already like I know Wisconsin has mentioned that they are expecting full stadiums. I, I would be really surprised and, and, and if and that's were full stadiums.
0: And that's where Penn so, State right? opens. Penn State opens at Wisconsin.
2: Right. I w- I just would be surprised by that. I mean, I could, you know, I've been surprised a lot in the last year, but I really think <laughs> 22 is when you're going to see a lot more normalcy. I mean, I th- I just think there's still going to be some psychological Reticence from people um, yeah. mm-hmm. to be in a group of you know eighty to a hundred thousand people, um, and you know also there there were people that have probably attended games their whole lives that watched last year from their couch and were like, "Yeah, eh, I mean, this isn't bad," you know. And so, really, that's going to be critical for colleges. Uh, this you know they're they're doing this right now is it's kind of this outreach to um, season ticket holders yes. to make sure that they. Uh, remember how cool the live experience is because, you know, everybody knows that when, when you, uh, you... You could do a lot more watching from your house, you know, watch it from your couch. I mean, it's cheaper and, and it doesn't duplicate the live experience, but, you know, for some, it's, it's a more desirable thing. And, and there's people that <clears throat> probably never even considered not going to games, you know, lifelong season ticket holders of, of their um, college they graduated from that last year... We're forced not to go, and, and so getting those people back is going to be really critical, uh, you know, especially as there already was kind of a bit of a declining trend in, in attendance in college football, so yeah. I, I think this, this fall is going to be really critical for college athletics, but I mean, this is this is a two-, three-, four-year thing, though. I mean, especially right. given the way that school a lot of schools have borrowed money um, and are kind of trying to spread out the impacts of this.
0: So yes, that's right. I, I don't
2: think, yeah, you know, like Clemson cutting track and field was was an interesting thing because it really did nothing for them this year financially. They they don't even see the benefits of that um, right. such as they are until 22. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's kind of a two, three, four year thing. Uh, and, and this fall is really uh, going to be very interesting to see how much they can recover, like how quickly.
0: In doing this story, was there something that quote pleasantly surprised you? And was there something in there that was worse than you thought going in?
2: Uh, Something that pleasantly surprised me. I think um, I, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised by some of the creativity that athletic directors are showing to try to generate revenue. You know, college sports is so tradition-laden uh, that there's been a lot of things that have been, um, you know, uh, off-limits. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think of the Colorado deal with, with points bet as something that's really interesting. I think it's yeah. also, like, really uh, fraught with uh, – you know, I don't know what the word is like. Danger, maybe. Yeah. I guess is a word. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's got some risk. You know, because college sports and gambling is got yeah, a uh, exactly. interesting past. Yeah, yeah. But um, it but the deal is a great business deal in, in uh for Colorado and and in an interesting one. But like things like uh, New Mexico State, which is um, licensed its brand for. Uh, Official New Mexico state coffee whiskey wine, you know things like that are uh, that's really smart and um you know if I'm an alum of that school i mean i would those are three things that I drink a lot of actually in my own personal <laughs> life so you know like i would I would take advantage of that that's really right, that's sure. really clever and so it'll be cool to see the things that schools come up with to try to eat away at these deficits uh I also though was i just don't think um average college sports fans really understand how much money is involved in this uh enterprise and and when you look at these budgets it just really uh underlines the whole amateurism thing as kind of a a farce honestly i mean it's there's so much money involved that it's um it's amazing to think that they can't carve out a chunk for the athletes i mean when you're talking about uh you know uh, in a normal year a budget of 190 million dollars of revenue. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like, come on, you can't you can't break off a tiny piece of that. I mean, yeah. so I think that's something too that that most people just don't really don't really understand the uh, the, the money that some of these big schools are just rolling in.
0: All right, finally, uh, the first con- TV contract up to be negotiated on the college side for Power Five will be the Big Ten because their deal that the last deal they put together was a six year deal. What's the pressure on Kevin Warren as the conference commissioner to put together a contract that knocks it out of the park to help get everybody back on track?
2: Yeah, I think that's that's a good question because this is a big topic for him. You know, he kind of he got his reputation uh, rattled a little bit last last fall, and uh, you know, deservedly so. They kind of I, I thought it was weird that they sort of waffled, uh, but also I'm going to give him cut him some slack. I mean, this is a really Difficult, unprecedented situation. Uh, you also saw like parents and athletes kind of flex their muscles last year in ways that you know we've not seen before. And so I think a lot of um, ADs and and conference commissioners were not quite prepared with how to deal with that. Uh, probably coaches of teams too. Um, so I'm gonna cut them a little bit of a break there. But you know, yeah, I think this TV um, negotiations going to be huge because you know, as you guys know, the Big Ten have been really setting the pace in this. Um, and you know, they wanna stay that way. And and uh it's a really, really interesting and um you know, di- difficult and, and and odd and awkward and, and uh fractured moment for broadcasting right now. You know, um the I don't think the streaming thing has taken off quite like people expected. Uh regional sports networks are, you know, kind of slipping through the cracks and so there's just a lot of uh lot of tension and, and change that's going on right now. So it would be uh really interesting to see what they're able to pull off at that. And and I think if he does well there, I think he can kind of erase what happened last mm-hmm. fall because, you know, when your T V contract TV contracts are long and they just kinda of loom over you, as, you know, a former recent former uh, commissioner in the Pac twelve would tell you. Yeah. So it's it's yes. uh it's something that can win you a lot of goodwill for a pretty decent stretch of time. And so I think they're gonna like I said, I think they wanna nail that.
0: Thank you so much Brad. I really appreciate it. Great information.
2: Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me.
0: Brad McCormick Sports Business Journal. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. The only time the suit enjoys it when we talk about money is when we're talking about his commissions. I, it's, uh, but when it comes to sports,
1: no. It's just,
0: it, it doesn't happen. You know, and plus, there was that big bonus he won from the International Croquet Federation.
1: It's, That's right.
0: Some people have skills. Apparently. Some don't. (laughs) (laughs) Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 4th Street at Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Humboldt's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're home for Penn State football, Penn State basketball.